This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. It's time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. I hope everybody continues to enjoy A's Cast and A's Cast Live in the offseason. And coming up, don't forget, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we will be live from the baseball winter meetings in San Diego. We're going to lead off with a good friend of the program, Love watching this guy pitch back in the day. He's a World Series champion. He's a tremendous guy, a very good broadcaster for the Angels as the Angels are trying to make some big news. And also, we got to talk about Bo Jackson because he was a part of Bo Jackson's 30 for 30. Mark Gubaza is going to join us. Then we're going to hear from our man Ray Fossey as Ray Fossey out of nowhere appeared in the offices at Jack London. And when Fossey shows up, you know we're going to have Fossey on. Tim Kirchin, the legend from ESPN, has been covering this game for a long, long time, will join us. And then also a former pitcher, just like Mark Gubaza, terrific broadcaster. He's got his national radio show, and he also does Rangers television. C.J. Nikowski is going to join us. But first, we'll lead off with the big right-hander, Mark Gubaza. The World Series champion, of course, is a great job. On Angels Television, Mark Gubaza joins us here on A's Cast Live. Mark, how are you doing this offseason? Hey, Chris, what's going on, my man? Well, the other night I was I couldn't sleep, and I got to see you. You were a big part of the Bo Jackson 30 for 30, and I watched it, and it's such a do – you you're, you remember being a part of all of that? Yeah, I mean, it was a few years ago. We did it in New York. It was right after the All Star break, and uh, tell you what, it, it was pretty cool reminiscing all the things and 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 then able to watch that down the road. I'm like, God, that was pretty. That was pretty wild. There was, I, I literally talked to them for maybe about two hours, you know, and I was like, it was like nonstop because it was like, man, I, this, 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 so many stories to tell. It was pretty cool. Yeah, from a baseball standpoint, you were in there more than anybody else, even George Brett. So it was fun watching you, and, and you just, you know, the the stories, he was so amazing, and he did such great things. It's almost like it wasn't real how good he was. Yeah, and it's a shame it was really just for such a short period of time. And, you know, if, if he was around, i say he was playing in this day and age with all the social media and stuff, can you imagine how many – different sound bites and different little videos we would see every single day on, you know, Twitter and everything else, how insane that would be. So, I mean, he was, he did stuff every day. You just sit there like, there's no way that there's no human being could, could do these type of things. I mean, we say that a lot of when we see Mike Trout doing stuff, but, but Bo was such an amazing athlete. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to go to a bunch of Raider games, as a matter of fact, too, because I went there all the time. He got me sideline passes. So I'm sitting there and, and listening to the, you know, his teammates on the football side as well going, how is he doing this? And when you think about it, he wasn't in camp with them, missed, what, the first six, eight games of the season, then as soon as he's out there, it's like he was been there the whole time. He was the best. He leaves baseball. Football's a hobby. He shows up with the Raiders. He immediately is the best guy on the team. Yeah, I mean, when you move Marcus Allen to a backup role, he, that's one of the all-time great running backs. And I got to know Marcus a little bit from the days in Kansas City as well, and and he, he himself will say the same thing. He goes, it was hard to say that Bo didn't deserve to get the, the, the football you know, every single time because he just was so fast, so strong, so elusive, and he created such an amazing buzz 
whether it was on the football field or on the baseball field, that you just had to sit back and go, that's pretty cool to be able to see him do these things. If he didn't play football and didn't get hurt and played baseball full-time because he was just getting better, I mean, he's still hitting home runs with an artificial hip. How good do you think he could have been? You know what, and people might argue with me on this one, but I think he would have been a Hall of Famer. In our conversation before you know that last couple of games, especially the last game where he was at and we got hurt against Cincinnati, that he, he was basically at the point where he was going, you know what, I'm going to play baseball. And, and because it's, it's, it's a hard sport, there's a lot of failure, but he was committed to putting 100% behind his ability to get become the best baseball player in the game. I mean, he was, a, he was an all-star, we know that, but uh, to get to that next level, we're talking about consistent contact, you know, doing all the little intangibles to be even a better baseball player. And I think he was getting to that point before the injury that was hip that he was going to be a, a future Hall of Famer. And I, I firmly believe that because the things he was able to do in such a limited amount of baseball time. I mean, if you committed fully to baseball, not and then, you know, then obviously the football was during the so-called vacation times. But, you know, when you're playing football, you still have to focus on that. So you didn't really have your mind completely always on baseball, yet he was still able to do things that no one else was able to do. UX players see things that us regular Joes don't see. And earlier today, Ray Fossey stopped by, and we're talking about the issues going on in Houston. And I know the A's are one of the teams that has complained to Major League Baseball about the Houston Astros and what they think they possibly could be doing there at Minute Maid Park. And Fossey said over the years he could tell something was up. Over the years, have you been able to tell that, that, that there's been things going on that's not on the up and up at Minute Maid Park? You know, I, I, I can't honestly say that 100%. I, I know the players is talking to them. They always felt uncomfortable playing against, you know, the Astros. And there's, there's other teams out there, too, and I don't want to name them as well, that, you know, you just felt that you better make sure you're changing up your signs quite a bit. Uh, you, you know, every team, even when I was playing, there was always a guy on your team that could pick up when the pitcher was doing something different on a break a ball or a fastball, whether it's lowering the glove, you know, putting that finger out when you were moving, you were putting a split finger. Like David Cohn was really instrumental in getting that, that little extra piece of leather put on the glove when you have your finger outside there because when he used to do a splitter, he would point his fingers and that tipped people off that he was going to throw that pitch. So that's been going on forever as far as finding ways to, to, to do that. But the other ways where you're going in and looking and getting signs and, and relaying and like that, this is, it's not right. It's just not right for the game of baseball. And, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot of ways to be able to change that up where you don't have iPads and everything else in a, in a dugout. You just go back to the way the game has always been played. And I don't want to say it sound archaic and everything else, but, you know, there's, there's ways for baseball to make sure that never happens again. It's unfortunate because there's a lot of great players on that Astros team. That's the thing it's, you feel bad for. I thought this team this year, the Astros, is one of the best teams I've ever seen, period. Yet they didn't win the World Series. And that 2017 team was excellent. And yet, now that's all you're going to talk about, and we're all going to talk about is, did they do it you know, in, in a fair way? But uh, I, I still think that team was incredibly talented, and I, I feel bad for a lot of the guys on the team as well. Yeah, I was talking with someone here with the A's earlier today about this alleged patches where they have these patches that they put on their bodies and the patches can buzz to tell you whether it's going to be a fastball or a breaking ball. And this one guy for the A's goes, this is so – it's so wrong on so many levels if this was actually going on that this could be a really tough call for the commissioner because this is cheating like we have never seen before. Yeah, and and he's going to really have to, you know, make a, a tough stand on this whole thing. And I know, you know, there's plenty of investigations going on at this moment. And you know, then you have other, you know, publications saying that he, the the Astros weren't the only team doing the same thing. So there has to be a way, you know, whether it's I know what they did last year, where it's delayed fee between what you see in the in the clubhouse or whatever. As far as you know, say you're looking down and we're getting a center field feed for, you know, what pitch is being thrown. And, you know, it's about a seven or eight second delay. So there's no way you can relay it and be in time to be able to do that. But that being said, they got to make sure, you know, the way, the way this game is, the way technology is, you may be forced to hire more people to make sure you go around stadiums that, that nobody has an unfair advantage. Because it's really, it's not fair. It's not fair for a visiting club going into some home ballparks where 
you have no. I mean, unless you have a perfect game, you're not going to win against a team, especially with a talented team. And I think about the Angels, and one thing we've talked with you in the past about is our respect for Artie Moreno is he's not a guy that's going to tank. He always wants to win. And it just seems like everybody you talk to, and Garrett Cole's going to the Angels. It's like everybody just knows. Like, what are the sense are you getting down there in Southern California about Garrett Cole? Well, I, I know they, they love to do that. And I've, I've known Garrett. I remember even coaching against him at the high school level when he was at Orange Lutheran High School, and I was at Chaminade High School out here in SoCal, and I, I was like going, wow, this kid is ridiculous. And then he goes to UCLA, and then we know what he did. Last year was about as good as any season I've seen from a pitcher from a dominant aspect of it. But uh, he, he grew up not far from the stadium at all. He was an Angel fan. You know, There's been talk about him being a Yankee fan. Right now, every club is going to go out and try to get Garrett Cole. He's still, you know, he's at a, a great age where he has a number of years to still be dominant. So his, you know, he's got incredible leverage right now. Do I think he's going to 100% for sure go to the Angels? I I would think they're probably at the top, but they're not. You know, the Angels aren't going to say, "Well, if we don't get him, we're we're done." They're they already got their conversations. You know, with a number of other pitchers, they're going to get two pitchers. I think at least, if not through the free agent market, they might have a couple prospects that they might be able to trade. They're they're not going into the season without a very deep rotation. We saw in the postseason now, if you don't have really good starting pitching, you're not going to win. And I know. It was such a, a cool thing to see everyone with these, you know, bullpen games all the time. But I think the Yankees said it best when they played the Astros. All those guys down in the bullpen were so good during the season. All of a sudden, when they're out four or five games in a row, where every batter is seeing those same four or five relievers throw every day, it's a whole different ball game. But dominant starting pitching wins World Series. Yeah, how nice was that to watch once again? I'm so tired of the whole bull. I mean, I understand it, but. Bullpens now pitching more innings than ever before. They got exposed this year. There was a lot of bad bullpens. Wasn't that great to see in the postseason starting pitching being back? Yeah, I mean, and that's what it should be. It's when you look at teams that win, and and win, and that means winning the World Series and getting there. You better have two or three minimum dominant pitchers because there's going to be games where you, where you struggle, and and a bullpen becomes, you know, even more important. But if you can't get to that sixth or seventh inning. And that, that was a great thing, I thought, amongst all the, the managers in the postseason. They allowed their pitchers to go through that third time through a lineup, go into that fourth time through a lineup. And that way you're not putting that bullpen out all season long. I mean, even reverting back to the Angels during the regular season, the beginning part of the season, their bullpen was great. But then all of a sudden you see all the innings and all the home runs they end up giving up because they were, they were beat. They were every single game they were had called upon to get 12, maybe even 15 outs every single night and there's just no way getting up and getting in the game whether you get hot and not get in the game it's just too much of tax on your arm to be able to do that on a consistent basis and a lot of times guys down in the bullpen are asked to throw as hard as they can for an inning or two but you do that and ask that three four times a week it's hard on your arm to be that consistent Shohei Otani is fascinating, and his talent, you know, we've talked about this in the past, about this is a guy that could be pitching and hitting in the All-Star game. You know, you need his bat in the lineup. That's the that's the bottom line. And, and I keep hearing about all these off days, and he's not going to be hitting. Can the Angels really afford not to have him in the lineup almost every day? Yeah, I, I think – you know, Chris, I think with the, the plan will be this year, and you know that could. Cha- I mean, everything changes on on who they bring in as far as starters. And, and, and there's uh, these guys. If you're bringing in a Garrett Cole and a Strasburg or Wheeler or anybody else, I don't think they're going to be real comfortable saying, no, "I want to be part of a six-man rotation." So he'll still pitch his once a week, probably on that you know Sunday or so, whatever day of the week they decide this is the perfect day for Shohei to pitch. So. That next day after he starts the game, more than likely that'll be his day off. The day before, he'll probably be available to hit off the bench, and then the rest of those days, you know, he'll be he'll be in the lineup. I mean, he's too dynamic of a hitter not to have him in there. And, and some things we don't even realize that when you get caught up in his power, he is incredibly fast. And he, you know, for his two years in the big leagues, he's pretty clutch as far as runners in scoring position, runners in scoring position with two outs, two strike approaches, all those things. He's just a fun guy to see go out and perform on a, pretty close to a daily basis. So I think that's what their plan will be. It's never going to be easy. I know it was tough for Mike Sosha a couple of years ago when he was trying to mix and match when to give him the right time off after pitching. 
and Joe Madden will be the same way. And I just briefly had a chance to talk to him when he had his press conference. He's just excited to have that type of talent to be able to work around with. And, and we'll see how it works out. I mean, the, 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 coming back from Tommy John surgery, all the indications are he's going to be 100% in spring training as far as pitching and hitting. But, uh, you know, we always have to wait and see how it turns out as far as his overall health. But he's got to be in there as much as possible because not only for the Angels but for the game of baseball because you need those stars. You need the LeBron Jameses of, uh, you know, the Paul Georges, Kawhi Leonard, all those guys you see in the NBA. You need those star players in baseball that people get to see all the time and have that wow factor. Let's end on this because Joe Mann just seems like a super guy. How excited are you guys to have him back in the Angels family? Uh, as soon as he walked out on the platform and started talking, then we had a little uh, show as well. You feel like, okay, let's get the season started right now. He's, he's a, he always has been. I've known him for a long time. He's an incredibly positive guy, but he's also a guy who doesn't let you get away with anything as well. So he's, I, and I love what he said about the marriage between analytics and, and the baseball player itself and the human being in the heart. He's a, he's a huge believer. We all know that from this time, even with Tampa Bay Rays. He's, he's big on all the analytics. So I think there's a lot of positives with that. And, even during the course of our games, we really embrace it quite a bit. But there's also the baseball player, the human being, and, and the heart. Some days you don't feel the same. You, you don't feel as strong. There might be something going on with your family at home. Whatever it's going to be, that you, you blend and, and have that marriage between the analytics and, and the heart of a baseball player, put it together. And he's, he's one of those guys that will always have the players back. And, and it's amazing to watch his players over the years how hard they play for him every day. And it's a long season, 162 games. You throw in, what, 30, 33 in spring training, yet every one of his guys seem like they want to play all the time. And just being around him for that short period of time, we had 10 guys were working out when he came to his press conference. And that was like a week after the regular season. I'm thinking, why are you guys still here? They're, they're all pumped up and ready to go for the upcoming season already. And, and that's where we were at that point. We were still in October. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be here before you know it. Hey, it's always an honor to have you on the program. We truly appreciate it. Have a great holidays with your family, and we'll talk to you soon. You as well, Chris. Have a good one, my friend. Looking forward to seeing you up there in Oakland before too long. Gooby is a good guy, one of the best in the business, no question about it. The face of the franchise. You know what I two-time World Series, two-time Gold Glove, two-time All-Star. I know you all love him, and we all love him with the A's, the great Ray Fossey. Two-time Gold Glove winner, the great Ray Fossey, is in Oakland. You're yelling. You ready? Yeah, of course. I'm always ready. Who's that, Mike? I'm always ready. How you doing, Tony? I'm doing wonderful, Foss. How are you? People are trying to work out in the office here. You know, they, it's the off-season. Off what are they right, doing? But they're working for 2020. Seriously, what are they doing? How are you? We're the only people working. Welcome doing? back to Oakland, Foss. You know what? It's great to be back, and it's great to always see you guys working hard. Nice to see your little cubicle here in the downtown offices of the athletics. And uh, this is tremendous. you got soundboards. you get your – gosh – like a padded wall. You could go crazy in here. <laughs> we're, we're big time, Foss. You didn't know yeah. that? No, I know. You're always big time. I'm, I'm, it's probably better than your garage, right? No. Because <laughs> you get to be home. <laughs> yes. Exciting, the, ex, exciting times, Tony. You know? Exciting well, times. You know what? I let off this show today because I had some meetings today, and I, I did this roundtable with the – we have a real estate department. Did you know that? No. We have a group of people who are experts in real estate and in law, and they're making everything happen for the new stadium. Oh, okay. And I was I start out the show today going, you got a good team, you're a handful of team, you're a handful of of a group that can potentially win the World Series. You got businesses going well with Chris Giles and A Access, and then Dave Cavill with the ballpark. It just for the first time in a long time, it just seems like everything's going in the right direction. It's the right direction. I think the biggest thing is that the youth coming up next year, the young starters, when we got a chance to see Puck and Lazardo in September and a little bit of October, um, that's tremendous. is coming back, and I, I think it's great to have really four young starters. Fire's coming back. That's You think about teams that would be happy to have three good starters, Look at the Astros. That's another story. But the, but, but the Astros, they have three starters. And Cole, of course, he's going to be gone. 
uh, Verlander, and they got Granky because they felt Cole was going to be gone, which is a pretty good chance. But there's three. Now they have some other guys. But the A's can go into 2020 having five legitimate starters to take the ball every fifth day. And then, as David Force said, we're going to concentrate on the bullpen. You've got some great starters. And, and, you know, we know, we've seen in the past that how the game of baseball, if you can get your starter to go six innings and you've got a good bullpen, you're going to win a lot of games. And I think the A's can do that. So years ago, doing the Raiders with Bill Romanowski, he hated the fact that Jack Del Rio said, hey, our goal is to win the division. Because he said, if you don't believe you can win the Super Bowl, you won't win the Super Bowl. And Bill Walsh would always talk about, it's about winning the Super Bowl. So we've heard so much around here, and I want to help change it. We've heard so much, ah, you just got to get in. You know what? I think it's time that we start talking about this team winning the World Series. Because you can't win the World Series unless you see it and believe it. I agree 100%. And and it's, it's a matter of going into the season with that attitude. Why do the Yankees? aren't happy ever with a division. They, they think about the World Series. They've done it 27 times. And there's a reason, because they think about that. And, and you know, I, I've told you before on your shows what happened to me in 1973, and it bears repeating. When Dick Green, when I ask him, you guys are just like, you don't care. And he says, oh, no, we know we're going to win our division. We're going to play somebody from the East, and we're going to play somebody from the National League to be world champs. That was in spring training of 1973. So to your point, you go in with the idea and the attitude that you're going to win the whole thing. You want to be the last team standing. And the only way to do that is have the attitude going in that you can. And I agree 100%. That's the only way you're going to do it. Because if you say – and the reason they're saying the division is because the wild card has not been good to the ace. And it's a one-game crapshoot. So if you at least get the division, you got a minimum of five games or at least at at maximum five games. But I, I like your attitude win it all because you go into it you're hot you go through the october and you're world champs if ray fossey in his career knew exactly what pitch was coming <laughs> what, what, what 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 do you think you would have hit and how many home runs would you have hit? i would have loved every minute of it <laughs> <laughs> but but i you know when i played it had to be done legitimately that's with a runner at second base that's why i've always said electronically and I know there's a lot of stuff going on in this month that's, that's been coming up. And, and you know what? Say what you want about Mike Fires. I give him a lot of credit because he was there and he saw it firsthand. So um, he's, he's going to have a bullseye on him. But, you know, he's going to be interviewed a lot. But I still think that personally with the turnover, turnover of, of players, okay, if I'm on a team this year, and I leave that team and I go to a new one, the first thing I do is tell everybody what the signs are from the third base coach and if I can see the manager, what the signs are. If they don't change them, shame on them. So how can you be upset with somebody who was with your team, you saw firsthand, what, are you supposed to do, keep it quiet? No, you're going to help your team win. And I like the fact that what his comments were about their pitchers losing their jobs going to the minor leagues because they're getting ripped apart because they know what's coming. You know, in, in, in the last couple of years when the A's have played there, and as a broadcaster and as a former player, I would look and I'm going, wow, these guys look like they know what's coming. They did. You know, and it was just an observation I had as a broadcaster because you see certain things in hitters. You, if you don't see a hitter at least start. Flinch. Yeah. At least flinch. Do something. Like, act like you think, you you know. But, but you know, to, to take a pitch like you know it's coming, then, yeah, that's what's going to happen. So, no, uh, listen, I, I you know, there, there are things that you do as a catcher. And before electronics, it was always on the catcher. If he got lazy and called one sign, shame on him. I don't care. Runner on second base. The, to me, Gaylord Perry never used one sign. <laughs> what does that tell you? Gaylord Perry, whenever I caught him in 1972, he said, Panda, he said, we're going to use multiple signs all the time. And I went, really? He goes, yes, really. So we did. So from pitch number one, there were multiple signs. And we had a set of signs that we used specifically, and he had to add and subtract and go to whatever pitches he wanted to throw. But, but he's only throwing the same pitch. No, 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 no. He had other pitches. <laughs> but, he would, he, but, but, you know, certain guys would say, and I've said it before, you always go to the pitch that is the best pitcher, pitch for the pitcher. You never let him shake to it. Because as a hitter, you have in your mind what his best pitch is. 
And if he shakes, 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 then he's eventually going to get to the pitch that he wants to throw, which more times than not is the pitch that he feels the most comfortable with. In the case of Gaylord, he said, never go, to, never let me shake to it, go straight to it. So he would shake away from it, So that, whatever that changeup was. When, whenever you threw the ball back, allegedly, did you ever feel the foreign <laughs> yes. substance on the ball? Ask Greg Nettles. He threw a couple balls in the stands one time. I said, what happened? He said, I got the wrong side of the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is uh, – it, it doesn't get any more scandalous than this. If this is true, that Astros players are wearing a patch that can buzz and that lets you know fastball or breaking ball, I mean, Foss, you've been in this game yep. a long time. If this is true, it's unbelievable. I will go step one step farther than that in the helmet. You do football. Don't they, don't they give sign or, or plays to the quarterback? Yes. Okay. And, 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 and also, so it's one green dot helmet, one on offense, one on defense. So the defensive coordinator can talk to, like, the linebacker. Okay. Well, so there you have it. So let's say you're a hitter and you've got this mechanism in your helmet – and all of a sudden somebody goes, beep, beep, you know, there it is. So that way, see, personally, whenever the Red Sox were so-called caught because of the Apple Watch, think about logistics. If you're in the clubhouse of any clubhouse and you're watching real time, which now Adam Roden said it's always delayed except for him because he's the video coordinator and he's he's got hands on challenges. But in the clubhouse, it's always a delay, so you can't do it now. But let's say that you're in the clubhouse and you're getting a sign and you go logistically to get it to somebody in the dugout, to the hitter. You can't do it because as a pitcher, you're looking in for the sign as soon as you get you start your windup. You can't get it that fast. And that's why I thought something else was going on, maybe even the buzzer. Because if, if you're in a clubhouse and you go to the helmet, that's it. So these patches, I mean, that yeah. – <laughs> How about the guy, I think Tom Verducci wrote the article about 100 years ago where the guy was gnawing in the dirt at third base, and the, the infielder went over and saw him doing it. There was a box that it was being buzzed from center field, so he could feel it, and he would feel the buzz in his foot, and it would be a particular sign. One buzz, two buzzes, and he'd relay the sign of the hitter. 100 years ago, buddy. <laughs> but no, it, it's... Listen, if, if you can do it, and, and I, I always like to read or hear people say, if you can do it conventionally, like tipping pitches, a runner at second base can, it can get the signs. But if you're using electronics, which means that you can isolate a catcher, his signs, decipher what they are, and pass it on, that's, that's going too far. But to your point, I could have been a 350 hitter, maybe, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'd be saying, and a winner of the batting title, the great Ray Fossey. No, but, but no, you, you have to play the game the right way. And, and that's why it should have, the game should be a level playing field. And that's why the, the, the time with the PEDs, everybody was upset about that because certain guys were and other guys weren't. It wasn't a level playing field. Well, you're getting really into it now. And uh, it will be interesting to see the punishment, if proven, what the commissioner is going to lay down for the t- for the team, and you know, if other teams are doing it, they evidently are doing it the right way because nobody's caught them. But uh, if a player came forward like Mike Fires did, I'd say that uh, that's pretty incriminating. And then I think about the punishment because Buster Olney did a great piece on ESPN.com that this is really testing the commissioner. I mean, they're 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 they've basically you know he 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 put down new laws in 2018 with the Boston Red Sox. Obviously, these guys have ignored it, and they're even coming out in sources saying that they feel like they're just being picked on because people don't like them. They're obviously cheating. I, the commissioner has to do something big here, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, you, you have to do something because if you don't, it's going to continue. And, you know, I, th- I think, and, and again, talking to Adam Roden, and um, there was a, actually there was a play that occurred with the Rangers that were playing at the Coliseum. And Chris Woodward, their manager. Well, the challenge, it was the end of a play, uh, end of the inning was a double play that Profar missed the bag at second base. Okay? But nobody saw it until somebody saw the re- relay in the clubhouse and say, hey, but by the time they came back from commercial, umpire said, no, you missed it. Because the video coordinator evidently didn't see it, but somebody saw it on the monitors in the clubhouse, but it's on a delay. 
So they saw it too late, and by the time they got to him, they did it. So that's why all those uh, TVs in the clubhouse are on delay, except for the video coordinator who has to see it in real time to say challenge or don't challenge. Hey, are you, you getting enough rest this off season? It's too much going on. <laughs> are you charging your batteries? <laughs> That's usually when you do it is the off season. You recharge your batteries in the off season to get ready to go for a new one. But I'm ready to go. I've I've been recharged already. Well, I, I this is going to be a quick off season because I think yeah. the expectations for this team are really strong. We'll get through the winter meetings in San Diego, and then before you know it, we're going to be there at spring training. But I just I just got a feeling this thing's going to go yeah. really fast because I think we're all really really excited about this upcoming year Tony, the great thing about baseball and i think all sports are doing it but i like the fact that baseball it's a continuation it's an off season you get prepared and to me it's always january 1st end of the season end of the year and december 31st it's like no matter whether you win or lose everything starts fresh you hit 100 you hit 300 you hit whatever it's over that's last year you're starting fresh on January 1st. I think it's going to be here so fast. The Fan Fest, spring training, regular season, it's going to be great. You know the fans miss you when you leave. <laughs> I miss them. I miss baseball. Listen, it's a great game. It's the greatest game in the world, you know? You can't leave us this long. You can't you can't you can't go into hibernation. Which you keep calling me. You know where I am. You have my cell phone. You have my number. Call me. We'll Cody. Call you, we'll call you every week. Call me. I'll talk to you. I'd love to talk to you. And you know what? You know the not only are you a, Cody's a, laughing over here. You, you, you hold him to it, Cody. Not only are you a wonderful human being, but you also have a landline. You're like the last guy that has a landline. <laughs> You're right there. Right? <laughs> You're right there. But no, you, you, this is great to have. We'll call you every week. I listen. I'll be. I'll be disappointed if you don't. I'll call you. Right, we'll call. Wait, we we should come up with a name like the Fossey Report. Let's do it. Find out what each week what you want to talk about in the game of baseball. And we'll block off a half hour. Sounds great. We could do it. Whatever you want to do, or whatever Cody wants to do, because he's yeah, he's in he's, charge. He's, he's, in he's charge. really in charge. Yeah, but no, you you know how to reach me, so I'm uh, I'm always available for you. All right. Well, starting next week, we're going to start the Fossey Report. Okay. Following Following week because Thanksgiving. Following week. Thanksgiving. We're very thankful that you're here. <laughs> we're not. We're not working on Thanksgiving. <laughs> God, these millennials, Foss, it's amazing <laughs> how soft these people are. Like, I come to this office, and they're like, everybody's on a treadmill. Everybody's got to take time off. I'm like, we, we work every day. That's right. It's, it's an everyday. That's why this game has to be played every day. If you're going to recharge your batteries, you do it in the offseason. Because every game, every spring training, regular season, postseason, you're, you're up for it. You're ready to go. And the season's over, you go, oh, how soon is the next one going to start? That's the beauty of the offseason, to get charged up and see what the, the positive thing's going to be for the next season. See, because you're a man's man. You're not one of these guys that needs a nap room. they got <laughs> nap rooms here. They've got alone time hey, rooms. Hey, listen, it's amazing. When Rajay Davis told me before Game 7 of the World Series against the Cubs, he said, yeah, a lot of, a lot of the guys were in the, the, the quiet, relaxing sleeping room. I went, what? You're, if you're not pumped up for Game 7, how are you going to sleep? But they had a, a restroom in Cleveland. A restroom, a resting room, not a restroom. They have those too. But, but as far as a place to go and relax and, and, and sleep, take a nap if you want to. How can you sleep before Game 7 World Series? That's the final game of the baseball season. So it's, it's different, but bottom line, the game is great no matter what happens. And that's the beauty of it. Top 100 Indian of all time. <laughs> we, we, I've seen it. I've seen Ray Fossey's plaque. What, what, what's it, what's it Heritage called? Heritage Park. Heritage Park. I've seen your plaque there. Also, what I see when I go to Cleveland, before every single game, they've got a highlight reel. You're on that highlight reel all 81 games. Oh, well. They're still looking for their first world championship since 48. <laughs> the A's have four. Four. Got to make it yeah. number five. That's right. That's the best part. We will talk to you in two weeks. Look forward to it. Always money to have the face of the franchise on the program. Tim Kirchner has been covering baseball for a long, long time. Whether you read him on ESPN.com or you hear him on Buster Olney's podcast or you just see him on SportsCenter, Tim Kirchner from ESPN, was great. it was great to have him on A's Cast Live. Tim, it is always an honor to have you on the program. How have you been? Well, I've been great. It's weird, as always, not having any games to watch, but um, we're all being kept busy with free agency and managerial hirings and all sorts of other controversies. So I've said it many times, there's no off-season of baseball anymore. 
if you cover it the way it has to be covered, it it takes pretty much 12 months out of the year. Yeah, I'm with you. As much as I love football, isn't it just strange, like on a a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night, you're like sitting around on the couch going, what am I going to do? There's no baseball on it. It's just strange. Yeah, and I'm not the most well-rounded guy, so I don't (laughs) have all these Netflix things that I watch all the time. So uh, I'm out of things to do certain nights, so – I better uh, better figure out some other things to watch other than basketball here and there. Well, you've covered this game for a long time, and this has just been a disastrous month for the Houston Astros. I mean, when have you seen an organization be looked into and investigated not once but twice in less than a month for two separate things? Uh, the, the Athletic is doing a fantastic job, Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal and – now we're hearing about scouts being asked to, to cheat with video. What do you make of what's been happening with the Houston Astros as an organization? Well, you're right. They've had a difficult time. They lost the World Series when they had a lead going home. They The Brandon Taubman thing, of course, was uh, really poorly handled by the Astros. Um, and now this latest controversy is – a big story that is going to get bigger from here. And it will be fascinating to see what Rob Manfred does as far as punishment here, exactly how many of these facts are exactly true. Where does this lead from here? But um, my guess is if all these allegations are indeed true, uh, the commissioner is really going to have to come down hard on the Astros. But um, that's, That hasn't happened yet, and we're still not sure where this is going, how many other teams could be involved. Uh, I'm afraid this story has some serious legs to it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And your colleague, Buster Olney, who we all love, and he comes on this program also, uh, did an article yesterday just kind of breaking down some things that have happened in the game, whether it was the spying by the Cardinals on the Astros uh, the issues with the Padres and a trade and the medical reports. I, I, is it now time for New York and Rob Manfred to really kind of take back over the game? Because it kind of seems like, and what Buster was intimating, is not maybe a whole lot of respect for the commissioner's office. And maybe the commissioner's office has to really come down on some people to get that respect back and, and, and in some of this lawlessness that we have in the game. Yeah, I'm not real wild about where the game is right now. And we've had some really, really bright people try to manipulate some things, thinking, well, I'm smarter than everyone else. I can do this. Baseball's slow to react, so now's the time. And this is all, you know, the bottom line, cold-blooded, cutthroat, you know, lack of empathy that we have in the game today that our you know, our GMs and some of our owners, they're just thinking this is all about money, this is all about winning, and whatever it takes. And at some point, um, people are going to have to really start getting punished if we're going to, you know, get back to the way that I think the game used to be run in, in a more professional manner. So a lot of work still to be done and a lot of pressure on the commissioner right now uh, to make some rulings, but some rulings that have some teeth that might uh, – you know, prevent this from happening anytime soon again. So out in our area, Tim, Gabe Kapler, once he was hired and it was announced, and, you know, looking at it from the other side of the bay really doesn't concern us with the A's, but we got a lot of giant friends around here, and a lot of my friends were not happy about the hire, and then they have the press conference, and pretty much everybody doubled down with not being happy about the hire, and that's just so odd because – You know, Bruce Bochy and the relationship with the fan base, with the Giants, was so good for so long. What did you and your colleagues make of the hire of Gabe Kapler to the San Francisco Giants? Uh, Well, I wasn't surprised, frankly, because I know his relationship with Farhan Zaidi is a very close one from the Dodger days. And that GM-manager relationship these days is perhaps more critical than it's ever been. And if you don't see eye to eye with your manager or your general manager, uh, it's really going to cause some problems because our GMs today are helping 
the manager manage the club. And I'm, and I'm not even sure that's the right way to go about it, but that's just the reality of the situation. And I was, so I wasn't surprised. And yet Gabe Kapler, frankly, has done nothing to deserve a second job after not doing a particularly good job in Philadelphia. Now he got crushed by injuries this year. Uh, that team still, to me, should have played better and still should have had a better two-year run. But um, this is, again, it's all about relationships and connections. And Farhan is very, very close and comfortable with Gabe Kapler and vice versa. And that's why I think we ended up there. And now we'll see what he can do in a different environment, one where, let's face it, he doesn't have to win right away like he did in Philadelphia. Well, the great thing about you, watching you on television or listening to you on Baseball Tonight, the podcast with Buster Only, you're an upbeat guy and you're a fun guy. So let's get into some fun things about the offseason. What excites you coming up here? We got the winter meetings. What's the big thing that excites Tim Kirchin right now? Well, this free agent market uh, is not a huge one, but it does have at least a couple of huge names led by Garrett Cole. So that's what excites me is where is he going to end up? Because I think, like everyone else, he's so good that he could, let's say, turn the Angels into a playoff team if they were to sign him. That's how good I think he is. He could turn the Yankees from a – really good team, a really good, solid contender into a champion. That's how good he is. He could take the Dodgers and help them deliver their first World Series since 1988. And if he were to go to a complete non-contender, he could turn them into a contender. That's how good I think Garrett Cole is. And I think he's going to set the record for most money ever given to a pitcher. I'm not sure it's going to be close. Yeah, he's gonna he, he's gonna make out okay. I think his bank account's gonna be good. I think Steven Strasburg the same thing. One guy though, I've gotten to know him just a little bit over the years is Madison Bumgarner, and I got a feeling, just kind of knowing how he's wired, he's gonna have a major major chip on his shoulder wherever he ends up. I know he wasn't great away from Oracle Park last year, but what do you think about Madison Bumgarner going into free agency? Well, I think he's had a chip on his shoulder his entire career, and I think that's one reason he's been so good and one of the great postseason pitchers in the history of baseball. And I think that chip will be even bigger this year, and I think the teams will recognize that and know that this guy really only cares about one thing, and that's kicking somebody's butt and winning And I think that's going to play very big into the free agent market. And I think teams such as the Braves, for instance, could really use someone like Madison Bumgarner at the top of that rotation so they can take the next step and maybe become a world championship team. So it'll be fascinating to watch where he goes and how much money it's going to take to sign him. Yeah, I think about the signing of Will Smith, which was a terrific signing by the Atlanta Braves. Wouldn't that really be good for our game after the last couple of years, actually have some big signings coming up here, especially at the winter meetings in San Diego? Yeah, again, I'm a little worried about the way the game is being run, including in the off season these days, that when everyone gathers for the winter meetings, it's a it should be a three- to four-day just celebration of the game. And when very little happens, as was the case last year, I'm not sure we're selling the game properly when everyone gathers and there's not very much news. Now, I totally understand when we're talking about this kind of money, teams are not going to make a commitment until they're absolutely certain. And if you're the agent for a star player, you're not going to jump at the first offer. But I'd sure like to see a few more things happen quickly. I think it's good for the game. And given with a a labor negotiation coming up and – all the all the consternation about that. Uh, I think it would help if we got a few signings going, like the Will Smith one, and moved it on from here. I actually like what Scott Boris had to say, where Scott said, "Hey, listen." We're not going to have a certain date. That's not going to work. And I agree. Players should – I mean, you're a free agent. This is your opportunity. You should have as much time as you want to make this kind of life-changing decision. But I like how Scott Boris said, 
why don't you put some incentives in there? You know, whether it's extra draft picks, whether it's help on, on international money, whatever it is, incentivize teams to get deals done early, like by the winter meetings. When Scott said that, how, how did you receive that? Well, I, I received it similarly, that he's trying to get things going here also. And yet, you know, there's there's <laughs> he's going to value from that. And he's going to benefit from people moving quickly also. And he, when he talks about incentivizing things, um, you know, his clients are going to end up getting something out of that. So naturally, he has a, a dog in that race for sure. Um, I just hope people recognize just what, a bad off season. It was last year, how much anger was created from the players who felt like they weren't getting the right deal they should have gotten. And I just hope we do a better job this year because I know I went to spring training last year and at least the first three weeks, if not the entire first month of spring training was about all the things that were happening off the field and not the things that were happening on the field. And I, I hope baseball recognizes that spring training should be about who's on a new team. Where is this guy playing now? And we had way too many free agents jobless uh, during spring training last year. Let's end on this. Speaking of spring training, I I know a lot of people kind of overlooked the A's last year, Tim. They won 97 games. They're like, can they do it again? And they did just exactly that. Back-to-back years, 97 wins. They're absolutely going to be stacked in their starting rotation as all the young pitchers now are, are, are going to be healthy. Do you see the A's heading into spring training next year as, as a dark horse favorite? Yeah, I'm not sure even dark horse is necessary now. They are loaded with young pitching, and so few teams have that. And just the thought of Luzardo for a full season, Puck for a full season, Mania complete health, just those three guys alone turn this team into more than a dark horse. Now, I'm not saying they're going to beat the Astros. and I have to see what the Astros look like on opening day of spring training, but You know, the A's have had two great years in a row, and all things considered, they should have an even better year this year. So I'm really interested to see how that young pitching and what they do with that rotation and all those power arms in the bullpen. That is a really impressive team. Tim, it is always an honor to have you on the program. We truly appreciate it. We will be in San Diego for the winter meeting, so hopefully we'll see you down in Southern California. Thank you so much for the time. All right, my pleasure. Thank you. Tim's a really nice man. Always enjoy having him on the program. And I always like having C.J. Nikowski because, you know, let me tell you, not only does he do the national show, but also we always have him on when the A's are taking on the Texas Rangers because he does their color for their television. Really, really bright, really knows the game. Here's the, the we'll call him the big left-hander, C.J. Nikowski. C.J., it's Chris Towns with the A's. How are you? Good, Chris. What's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, we're doing well. Just a little off-season baseball. Just talking about your guys' new digs. It's it's going to be a great year for the Texas Rangers. Just how excited is everybody for this new ballpark? And you got a retractable roof, and you now know you're going to be getting in all 81 games. Yeah, it's going to be pretty amazing. And we've been, we've known about this for a couple of years. We we saw Texas live open last year. Um, and kind of get that thing started. I heard you talking about it a little bit. And that's kind of been the trend now in baseball, new stadiums going up, and there's entertainment complexes that go with it. We saw it in St. Louis. Uh, we saw it in, in uh, Atlanta with the battery. And just like everything else uh, in Texas, this one is bigger and better. And I imagine that any new ballparks that go in, they'll continue um, to get bigger and better. But this place is pretty amazing. And, of course, being right there by AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys play and all the venues that go on, Arlington, Texas has worked really hard to try to become a destination for sports, not just the Rangers and the Cowboys, but then whatever college games they host, uh, wrestling that they've had over there at AT AT&T. And AT&T is not uh, at all associated with what's going on at Texas Live in the new ballpark at Globe Life Field, Um, but it's all right there. It is pretty amazing. There's a Lowe's Hotel there. Troy Aikman has a restaurant. Pudge has got a pizza place. You can bowl in there. You can do electronic golf. I mean, yes, there's going to be major sporting events going on, um, but the place is open every single day, all year round, um, which is which is pretty amazing. And it's just going to be a lot of fun pre-post game, during the game. They have this 100-foot 
television screen on the inside, which is the biggest indoor screen that's not in a stadium. I mean, it's just amazing. So it's, it's going to be it's going to be incredible. And we haven't even talked about the ballpark yet. I heard you talking, of course, about you know the roof and the idea of all the games um, getting in. That's going to be very welcome for Ranger fans. It got tough, you know, during the middle of summer. Day games were near impossibilities. You have to have Sunday day games because of the national broadcast on ESPN. You can't play at night, which just crushed um, the Rangers. So, I mean, across the board, everybody is, is really excited uh, about what's happening with the new ballpark uh, and everything else that's going on in Arlington right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was over at Texas Live. We were there for, what, four games. I ate at that Lockhart barbecue place, I think, three times. <laughs> it's hard to explain to people how cool Texas Live really is. I mean, you don't need to tailgate anymore. You go to this place, and uh, there's so much entertainment. So it's a, a lot of fun what's going on in Texas. Now, of course, when you start a new stadium and you open up new digs, you want to have a lot of sizzle on that stake. So rumors are out there that the Rangers are going to be players here in free agency. Yeah, and that's the goal. And I knew I figured it would be this year and or next year uh, just because they hadn't spent in the last couple of years and they've shown some really good patience. Um, you know, the issue, of course, becomes when you think about Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon, Steven Strasburg, you know, the Rangers are not the only team um, that is interested. And what we've seen, which I'm going a little bit, but we've seen a trend here lately where, you know, there's so much money now available to players that they're not afraid to leave a little bit of money on the table uh, to go to exactly where they want to go. Like they'll have options. Um, will the top guys, and it sounds like the Rangers are going to be in, um, and not a real surprise knew it was coming sooner or later. It's just a matter of who and where. They certainly could use as many an additional starting pitcher. Uh, the idea, uh, of course, of third base is a big one, right? Adrian Belcher retired a year ago. Last year, the Rangers ran a couple of guys in and out at third base, but to be able to get a cornerstone piece like uh, Anthony Rendon would be great. If not, maybe Josh Donaldson, Mike Moustakas is out there as well, although the Rangers, I think, would prefer to have a right-handed bat if possible. they got got plenty of lefty um, batters. So uh, a lot of different things at play here. But it, it's encouraging and exciting to know for Rangers fans it's not just going to be about a pretty ballpark. It's that the organization is, is going to be aggressive this offseason. Well, not only do you work for the Texas Rangers, but you also work nationally for Sirius XM, and you're a part of the leadoff spot show. Uh, we've been talking a lot about this. Uh, the Houston Astros, this whole thing's a mess. I mean, this last month of losing the World Series and firing Brandon Taubman, and then now the cheating scandal, and now we're knowing that it's just not the regular season 2017. This has been going on for years. It's now bled into different organizations, Red Sox, Mets, potentially the Brewers. How have you guys been handling this at SiriusXM, and how big of a problem do you see this with the Houston Astros? I mean, it is a big one because it's one of those things that there's always been rumors for decades about teams that might have been cheating electronically, whether using television cameras or their own cameras, but there was never any evidence and there was never any players uh, that described a system and how exactly it worked. And that has now happened um, with the Astros. And then, of course, now we went digging in and going back and looking at old 2017 games and the videos have been floating around about, you know, how they used the trash can and listening for and watching and seeing if you could actually – um, get that backed up, and there definitely seems to be some evidence out there, um, and this is a big problem for Major League Baseball. Rob Manfred um, has got, to, first of all, got to finish this investigation, and they have a lot of people that they need to talk to, and then they're going to have some pretty tough decisions to make here as far as how heavy they come down on those that uh, were the ones that were involved in this, and it's it's just it's such an awkward spot to be in because not only are you looking at trying to punish an organization, that's one thing, right? Fines, draft picks, you know, we've seen um, executives get banned, a couple of them over the last couple of years for life uh, from baseball. Uh, we saw it in Houston, actually, we saw it in St. Louis, we saw it in Atlanta. Um, could that be potentially on the table here for the Astros if this was something that was driven more by coaches and players? Uh, how do you treat that? What kind of suspensions potentially could be out there? I mean, that's the thing. It's like thinking about Alex Cora, who, of course, now is the manager of the Red Sox. If we come to find out that he had a pretty heavy hand in this, and that there was some kind of punishment that was due. I mean, what do you do? Do you give him, you know, whatever the number is, 30 days, 60 days a year uh, where he's suspended and, and can't manage his current team? I mean, that's a, it's, it's a really strange spot to be in, especially for a new general manager in Heim Bloom who just took over. And it's also awkward for Rob Manfred that the Red Sox would be the ones that would have to pay a penalty for something someone did while they were a member of a different organization. The Carlos Beltran angle is very interesting. He is so far said no, none of that, nothing outside of the ordinary that isn't normally allowed happened. Um, if that ends up being, you know, not true, they find out that he's responsible in some way. Uh, he was a player at the time. Right now he's the manager of the New York Mets. Like, that's kind of a weird deal that, you know, as a player, you've got the union, of course, protecting you and helping you out. 
um, but he's not a player anymore. And so just, again, going back to the idea that other organizations could be penalized for something that guys did while they were a member of a different organization is, is just kind of wild. So Rob Manfred's got a lot of work to do here, um, but he also takes a real serious part of this is that it means something to him, and he wants to make sure that he gets it right. Yeah, it's gonna it's it's gonna dominate the definitely uh, the off season talk and, and how this is gonna be addressed because obviously the Rangers and the A's we play these guys a lot and right now you got to go through them if you want to win the division and I just think about somebody like yourself as we've seen these videos and we're here in the trash can and think about you're up there and you're you're throwing filthy pitches. And you're at Minute Maid Park, and these guys aren't even offering at it, right? They don't even flinch, and then they're on whatever they want to be on. I mean, if you were a pitcher, how would you feel about that when you know you got good stuff, and they're not even offering at your good slider because they're waiting for the fastball because they know when it's coming? Yeah, paranoia sets in. That's one thing. Um, But just the idea, if you go back and you see it, and we've seen some video of it, obviously, anytime you know what's coming, you're going to be – a better hitter. The idea of whether or not you just don't want to offer an off-speed pitch or you know you can sell out to the fastball, whatever it may be, there's a ton of frustration there uh, for pitchers. And just the idea of you know battling and going up there and doing everything you can, and all of a sudden you find out that a guy knows everything that's coming, or at least when you're throwing an off-speed pitch, um, a monster advantage happens for the hitters. Now, again, we see these videos, and guys are still making outs on pitches, and they're still getting beat with pitches, which I think just kind of reiterates how difficult it is um, to pitch one of the videos that I saw that was going around I thought was kind of interesting because Roberto Osuna was pitching uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays at the time and he blew a save and there was a walk-off win for the Houston Astros and the video kind of walked through all these little different things that they felt like might have been happening in Houston with the dugout and maybe cheating uh, with the camera and Roberto Osuna of course is now a member of the Houston Astros like I wonder how he feels when he sees that and is going in and walking in um, to that clubhouse next year knowing that that organization basically cheated him a couple of years ago. So it's gotten really, really strange uh, in that regard. But no doubt a, a big advantage for hitters when they know uh, what's coming. And, uh, listen, they're a really good team. Right? You see them as much as I do. The Astros, without cheating, are a really good lineup, and there's no doubt that they're one of the best um, in the game. But you take the best and you give them an even bigger advantage, and it's just really frustrating, i got to believe, uh, for those that are in the game right now that have seen it happen uh, and knowing that they got cheated somewhere along the way. So when you and I were growing up, on the sidelines in football, they had all these hand signals to, to from the coach to the quarterback to, to get the plays into the huddle. Now they got rid of all of that, and they've got green dot helmet, and you got a little speaker in your in your helmet, and the head coach or the defensive coordinator can talk to the quarterback or the linebacker. I was just wondering, could we have some type of small headset for the pitcher and a little speaker inside the catcher's helmet, and we'd get away from all this sign stuff? Do you think that could actually be possible in baseball? I don't think so because, of course, you know, just because the sign goes in doesn't mean that that's definitely the pitch you're going to throw in the case of football. Right, you're going to run that play, right? That tell you what play you're running, you run it, period. Where in baseball, you got to shake off. You may go to something else. And so there's a lot more back-and-forth communication. It's not just getting a message to one guy. I mean, how does the pitcher say, no, I don't want that? And then, you know, if the catcher, it means the catcher has to say it, but he has to keep his voice down because he doesn't want the hitter to hear it. You know, obviously, that would be a little bit tricky. And I would come up and a lot of people have talked about a way that, that we can get there. I don't, I don't think I see it happening, um, you know, as, as a possibility. But I think that this really, it, it's easy to, to kind of avoid this kind of stuff. Obviously, with the center field camera, it's not, but you, just, you can't, nobody's ever going to go to Houston and use one sign only going forward. I don't know if you saw the Washington Nationals talked about, uh, what they did in the World Series it was interesting. Of course, every game was won um, by the road team, and so the Astros go 0 for 4 um, at home. And of course, they ran into some good pitching. But the Nationals used multiple sets of signs with nobody on base that changed throughout the game. All the little different things that you might do uh, as a pitcher. You might be outs plus one, or strikes plus one, or sign after two, shake last, shake first. There's all these different systems that you would use. Well, pitchers used to pretty much only use one. They'd have their thing that they would use. Well, the Nationals went in, and each pitcher had multiple sets of signs that they would use. And then they could just tell the catcher, hey, we're on this set. This is the set um, you know, that we're using. And then, of course, the wristbands of the catchers would have to look down and make sure everybody uh, was on the same page. So uh, pretty, there's, there's definitely ways to get around it. I don't think we'll see necessarily uh, earpiece in the ear for, for pitchers and catchers. Um, it, what it will be, though, is that teams are going to be much more careful. The Astros basically got kind of a heads up from other organizations saying we've, we've had some issues, we've had some suspicions with the Houston Astros, and so they went into that World Series very prepared um, and handled it very well. 
CJ, always great stuff. We appreciate it. We'll be listening to you on Sirius XM, and uh, we'll be calling you soon. Thank you for the time. All right, you got it, Chris. Great to catch up. Well, thank you for listening to another edition of A's Unfiltered. We want to thank Mark Gubazaw. We want to thank Ray Fossey. We want to thank Tim Kirchin and CJ Nikowski. And we now head back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.